0: Three I was just going to say, you can start recording. Awesome. Thank you. Um, this is a speaker meeting. At this time, all attendees are muted. This meeting is being recorded so that an audio only recording can be posted on the OA RISE website. Should there be uh, questions and answers in this meeting and you have a question for the speakers, but do not want your voice to be heard on the recording, please send your questions to one of the co-hosts through the chat so that we can read the question for you. Also, if you not want to be identified by name in the question, put in a false name. You can include that in your chat to one of the co-hosts. You may also change your name on the Zoom headings by hitting the three little buttons over your own picture and clicking rename and rename yourself to anything you're comfortable with so that when we call on you, we will be using the screen name that you've posted. Um, the chat feature is currently turned off and will remain so until the end of the meeting. Let's make sure that's true.
1: <laughs>
0: I'll do that in a minute. Uh, you can cho- you can coast host, host to, uh, you can chat to the host or co-hosts only. Um, Please note that the speakers are only listed as co hosts so that they can have ease of access to Zoom features. They will not be able to respond to questions in the chat. So if you have a question or concern regarding the meeting, please ensure you communicate to the uh, co hosts who are not speakers only. Uh, You can change, I'm I'm one of those. (laughs) You can change your name as it appears on Zoom, as I mentioned before, so that we do not call on you by name when you do not want that to happen for the recording. Out of courtesy to other attendees in the meeting, if you get up and move around during the meeting, if you need to eat, check your phone, talk to someone in the room where you are, uh, please turn off the video feed so that your actions will not be distracting to others in attendance. It is necessary If it is necessary, we may turn off your video feed for you um, and we're happy to turn it back on. Just let us know when you're ready for us to do that. Please note that specific foods may be mentioned at this meeting. Uh, We will take a five minute break at the end of the first hour and again at the end of the second hour. And finally, just a reminder that the opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. Uh, Thank you already for reading the steps and the traditions. According to our seventh tradition, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. We send all contributions in excess of our expenses directly to the World Service Office to help carry the message to other recovering compulsive eaters. Our meeting expenses are a Zoom subscription and the OA Rise website, which includes the cost of extra storage so that we can upload the speaker recordings for you. Contributions can be made by PayPal through our email address, which is info at oarise.org. You can visit our website in uh, oarise.org and click the Contribute Now button. It's right in the middle. We do request a donation of $3 per attendee if you're able. That would be lovely. It is now my great pleasure to introduce Beverly. Uh, actually, Beverly, this you're not first, are you? I got it wrong. Where's my little list is in word. All right, so uh, we will be having Liz as our speak- first speaker and go ahead, Liz, unmute yourself and take over and I'll mute myself. Thank you so much. Well,
2: thank you for that introduction and covering everything, Trish. And uh, I appreciate it. <clears throat> well, I'm going to talk about the first three steps. And uh, so I went in, in preparation for this uh, hoo-ha. I, I went and, you know, looked at my looked at my steps and highlighted and underlined very important things that I have to be sure to say, because if I don't, I'm going to fail. Um, And uh, the the principle is honesty. And so what I feel like talking about is the number of times that we have to face honestly in our program, the fact that we are compulsive eaters and are not gonna be cured. Not gonna be having, it. It's, it's an incurable disease, but it's not an untreatable disease. It's a very treatable disease. And it's um, something that I, I really believe that we can treat by spiritual, emotional, and physical recovery um, actions. So the first one is just though to be honest with myself about how I cannot eat certain foods. I, I cannot eat, you know, and I'm, I don't feel comfortable about talking about specific foods. So I'll just gloss over them by saying anything that has a high fat sugar flour content. And usually the ch- chocolate is involved um, I, I think I need to stay away from, um, because it sets me off. I will have two years of back-to-back abstinence tomorrow, and I'm very happy about that. Um, and it's come because I've been able to be honest with myself about my, about the fact that I wasn't being honest. I, I have to exercise my honesty muscle probably more than any other part of my spiritual program because it's just too easy for me to quote unquote, forget to uh, tell my sponsor that I changed something on my food plan before I eat it. Um, So, well, most One of the things it says right here in this chapter is that most of us have tried to deny it to ourselves that we have this disease. And I just put, tried to lie. We tried to lie to ourselves that we don't have this disease. We tried to take all the proof that we have by having been out there experimenting and educating ourselves about how truly powerless we are uh, and somehow wrap it around a reason that makes it so that we are not really compulsive eaters or yeah compulsive eaters of any kind Um, and I just had to do a lot of homework before I could really make that statement and I I still don't like to make it. I still don't like to say I'm a compulsive eater. It bothers me. It makes me feel um, vulnerable and ashamed um, to some extent still. And I I don't like those feelings and I'm working on them, but that's how it makes me feel. With respect to taking an honest look at our lives. We have to take an honest look at our lives in order to take step one. And if we don't, then we are just not going to be able to take that step at all. So I think that step one is about, started to wrap up on step one. Step one is to be about being teachable, treatable by admitting to myself and to others that we have this disease. Um with respect to step two now going on. I have written at the top of page nine in my in my 12 and 12, denial is not just a river in Egypt. And I know that you've heard that before, and it's a silly little saying, but it always makes me smile. And hope is the spiritual principle of step two. And hope is that we will find some power greater than ourselves, that's part one. And part two is that this power greater than ourselves will care enough or be concerned enough or have resources that we can draw on upon upon enough that we can get the hope that we need to say that this power is going to restore us to sanity. So I really think it's a two-part, it's a two-parter. And we have to come to believe that a power greater than ourselves exists, at least I did. Because I didn't believe in God, I didn't believe in a higher power, I, and I thought about that for a long time. I thought, okay, somebody started this—the Big Bang. Fine, I don't know what or who or why, but that being sure doesn't care about my eating right now. And um, I, I think I was mistaken. I think that being. If there is a such a being has an infinite amount of care that 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 being can bestow on us should we want to draw from it. Um, other things that I that I looked at in this chapter, um, let's see, I still. I wrote, I didn't want to face the truth about what I do when it comes to food. Like many other people, I've had very bad habits about food, what I do with food, what I don't do with food. I don't stop eating food is one of the things that I don't do. Um, And finally, I had to listen to God. And I listened to God by listening to my intuition. And then I had to take action. So step 2 is could restore us to sanity. Well, it's I don't think a higher power is going to restore me to sanity unless I do the footwork. I think that I need to take face the truth in step 1 that I'm a compulsive eater. Start to believe somehow in a higher power with which used to be the the people in these rooms and the love in these rooms that I felt and the generosity of spirit that I felt. Um, And those things enabled me to take action. They gave me the confidence and the the spiritual strength really to take action. Let's see, I'm um, being timed. I've got a little bit more time, I think, to talk about step two. Um, I wrote here, God, the God of my understanding means acceptance of a powerlessness. If, if I have to find, if, if I'm looking for a God of my understanding, I need to accept who I am, where I am, what I am. In relation to that higher power. And I have had some pretty cool spiritual experiences um, in relation to that God with food. One of my tricks is to get on my knees in the kitchen when I'm about to eat too much food. And, you know, a lot of times my kitchen floor isn't the cleanest in the world. And I wish that I had not had to kneel down, but I do have to kneel down sometimes. And um, that works. So uh, good orderly direction is my G-O-D, uh, my higher power. My grandma Lois used to tell me that If you think you shouldn't be doing something, don't do it. And that's very easy to say and very difficult to do. But with respect to step two, I think there's hope in that statement. Thank you very much, Janice. I think there's hope in that statement where if I do do what I'm supposed to be doing, that things will get better and things have gotten better. So, if I hope and then depend upon my higher power to set me my mind so that it runs sanely, if I can hear the truth and act on it, then hopefully I can begin to stop compulsively eating. With respect to step three, When I let go of my self-will, I will be given the willingness and the ability to eat sanely, period. I just, I don't eat sanely when I am in my own head. I am bored. I am lonely. I am stressed. I am feeling awful about how I look in the Zoom camera. I am you know the the pot of plants that I just set out I spent $79 on a pot like a trough for my for my kitchen and uh, to grow herbs in and then I had I planted the individual pots today and put them in and it looks like two of them have died and it made me just really like oh Well, I know how to make myself feel better about that, but it was, I didn't have to get down on my knees this time, but it was a close, it was close. Um, Step three, the principle is faith. And we've all heard, I can't, God can, I think I'll let God. Um, Faith is that There's this higher power out there, and this higher power gives a shit, you know, That, that this higher power can and will do something to help me, or that I can, by reaching out to this higher power, grab enough power from that, whatever it is he, she, it, then, they, that I can act sanely. So these three steps are also intertwined in my mind. I feel like I've been talking about the same step the whole time, but they, they, they bounce off of each other. They play off of each other um step three is also all about action okay we need to take action because if we simply if you know it says in the big book faith without works is dead it's it's definitely true we can't just you know we want to be judged by other people by what our intentions are but people judge us by our actions not our intentions and and we judge each other. We judge my. I judge myself based on my actions. Um. So I have to give up my self will, and I have to turn it over to my higher power, and I have to take action steps. And those action steps are using the tools. Every single time, the tool of a of a of a food plan, the tool of an action plan, the tool of going to a meeting a day, which I've done now for two years straight. Um, and it's does a darn good job of keeping me abstinent, let me tell you. Um, and I don't know how else to do it, honestly. Um, and it helps me remember to give up my self-will. It really does help me give up my self-will. Um, One final thing before Janice tells me that I don't have any more time is to remember to pause. To remember to do, when we face a problem or a decision whether it has to do with food, life, or our own runaway emotions. Oh gosh, there we go. Instead of acting on it, we pause long enough to learn God's will. And I'll just leave it there. I really appreciate and uh, thank you all for giving me the opportunity to share because it strengthens my abstinence. Thank you for letting me take part in my recovery today. And I wonder whether there's any comments or questions or whether I'm gonna have to bumble through another 15 minutes of something or other to talk about. Because I'll do that. (laughs)
0: Liz this is Trish would you be willing to share uh how you came about came to your understanding of your higher power well I came to what your understanding of your higher power
2: yes thank you for asking um it started out with a group Then I heard that there was a guy I think named Kierkegaard who believed in, you know, group unconscious. I'm not sure I have the term correct, but that there was something that was was created when you get a group of people together that have a common purpose and that, Common purpose usually has to do with society, of keeping society together and keeping society functioning. And when I realized that OA was such an organization and OA had this purpose, then I jumped up to believing in OA. Now I have this window, I'm looking out and my big leaf maple is flowering. And I have moved up here to Portland in order to be able to walk amongst the trees and being able to be out in nature. And slowly, the shift has gone from the the group of people to everything that I see in nature and everywhere. Because either God is everything or God is nothing. I think is a quotation from somewhere. Um, my higher power is my conscience. My wh- higher power is my instinct. And I've been also, I got cancer. Um, not too long ago, and successfully got it cut out and radiated out and all that kind of good stuff but during that time I started thinking about death a lot and I figured that when I die I'm just going to pass through something and become little particles of whatever I was before I started being this body of particles and it made me feel incredibly calm and secure and serene and so That's a long-winded way of answering your question. Thank you for asking. Thank you for that answer. Anybody Anybody else? else?
0: If you raise your hand, you can raise your hand in Zoom under the reactions button at the bottom of your screen. Uh, There's a bar. Okay, Celeste, now that you have your hand
2: up, I'm going to ask you. Unmute. There you go. It's so nice to see you, Celeste. Howdy doody,
3: Liz. Very cool. Very right. cool. Very cool. Um, so good. What a nice surprise. Thank you so much for your sharing. You're and um, besides the rest of you too. <laughs> um, the last thing I, I really would like to if you could, could expand on maybe you don't need to, but the pause, that's the thing, pausing. Pause first when you're facing with the food or a problem. you said something like before you act on it, pause and learn to listen to God's will. I'm paraphrasing that's just a little bit I, I had. Could you um, I guess expand on that in the sense of um, do you give your allowed that pause uh, an open time frame? Do you do reading? because right now I do have something hovering over my head and I feel like I got a deadline and I sort of do. But in that deadline, I'm panicking and I'm not maybe being more open to God's will. Does that make any difference? Do you understand yeah, what
2: I'm to say? yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And
1: when I, if I am not in
2: fit spiritual conditions, I, I said it once backwards spit spiritual position. <laughs> Um, that I don't have the capacity throughout the day to pause.
1: Mm. And
2: it's a slight, small, little thing, it seems. But I'm amazed at how much work I have to do to get there. Mm. So I have to read in the morning. I have to pray in the morning. I have to, I, I set my clock through my my phone throughout the day five times to pray during the day, um, and that enables me
1: mm-hmm.
2: to not feel that panic, to not feel that oh my gosh, what I've got to do this right now and I've got to get it right and I have a lot of that from childhood, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. you know,
2: like you're not smart if you're if you're not getting the answer right now
1: Mm -hmm.
2: well that's that's garbage that's garbage and i'm and i'm doing myself a grave
1: and i'm doing my higher power a grave disservice if i jump Mm. so
2: i have had to learn by practicing 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 Mm
1: -hmm. to um
2: Deactivate that jump reflex. Mm-hmm. That's all.
1: Thank you. Awesome.
0: Thank you. Thank you for your question, Celeste, and your response, Liz. And now it's time to uh, move on to our next speaker. Is that okay with you, Liz? You feel complete?
2: I felt complete before I got here, and I feel complete now. <laughs> awesome. And so up next is Charles.
4: Hi everybody. My name is Charles. I'm powerless over food and I'm recovering today and most days, actually every day for years, uh, many years. Um, I take it one day at a time. This is Trish. We,
0: we briefly stopped the recording.
4: So, but I can keep talking.
0: You
5: may, would you please? Yes.
4: Okay, sure. So I've been in the program. You won't believe it. I've been in the program for 46 years. I don't even look 46 years old, do I? I guess I do. Uh, I'm 82, so I've been in the program more than half my life. Um, And I am powerless over food and I intend to die. My last breath will be I'm powerless over food, but I'm in recovery from that uh, condition. The powerlessness is never gonna leave me, but the fact is I am recovering from compulsive eating. I'm recovered at least for today I'm going to talk to you a a bit about um, steps, well, the steps and the principles of step four, five, and six. Step four is, of course, doing that that fearless inventory, a fearless moral inventory, and the word fearless means without fear, and of course, there's fear when one does a four-step inventory. There just is, at least for me. Uh, But this is where the principle of courage shows up, because the fact of the matter is, the only place that courage ever shows up is in the face of fear. That's it. That's courage's purpose. As a matter of fact, at the beginning and ending of most OA meetings that I attend, we read, we recite the serenity prayer, which asks our higher power for serenity, number one. Number two, for the willingness to leave stuff alone, and also for the courage to change things. And courage is usually confronting whatever it is, there's a concern about fear and handling it. So we ha- So it doesn't mean that fear goes away. It means that courage, the spiritual value, the spiritual context takes over and we get to handle situations that where we're where we may be afraid, or where there may be excessive concern. And then we ultimately we get to handle fear period fear is a is a it's really is in the the big book it talks about it being um, about uh, the Oh, by the way, I'm old enough to start losing my memory, and it looks like it's it's just accelerating at a at a at a pretty rapid pace. In any event, it talks about fear being the corrosive thread that runs through the fabric of our lives. And the thing is, we've got these tools to mend those fabric tears. So the principles of the three steps that I'm addressing here: four, five, and six, the four and five are Absolutely connected six is independent of those. And of course, three is the gateway to three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 and 12. And I want to mention one thing about step three, which is not within my purview. And that is, in our 12 and 12 on the last paragraph of the chapter on step three, in the first sentence of the last paragraph, it says if we sincerely take the step, we cannot fail to recover. I'll repeat that. We, if we, step three in the 12 and 12 last paragraph, first sentence, if we sincerely take the step, we cannot fail to recover. I have found that to be true. I'm in recovery as a result of step three, which is a whole other topic which I wasn't even assigned to speak to. So now I'll speak to step four when I first took it. When I first took step four and it says in the big book, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. And so I immediately put it off for about three years. Uh, that's what I did. Uh, I didn't want to do it. Who wants to do it? Anybody want to do step four? give me a break. And at that time, We didn't have the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. We had just one big blue book, which was for alcoholics, not for me. And there was a paucity of material around step four. But when our treasured 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous came out, there was a, a diagram of how to do this step. And then when the second edition came out, there was yet another diagram of how to do it. And of course, I immediately didn't do it that way either. Ultimately, and this is a hot clue, or at least it's an opinion I have, and it's an experience that I have. I did step four and five in the context of a group. It doesn't say you can't do it. We don't have to be monks sitting in a monastery going over every jot and tittle about our fourth step. We can do it in a variety of ways. We don't even have to write it down. We can dictate it into, in, into a computer. We can do it in a, just in, in a myriad of ways. In fact, we can do all the steps in a myriad of ways. There's no one design fits all. There is one step that fits all. I mean, the steps fit fit me perfectly, and they fit you perfectly, and how we handle them are unique to us. The spiritual principles really are wonderful to know about. And what spiritual principles means is, it's just not a physical principle. It's not about counting up our money. It is about, essentially, I see it as all the spiritual principles of kindness, generosity, love, service, and so forth and so on. It's just being a good guy, finally. It, It essentially comes down to that for me. And I practice it. I practice it assiduously. I pray and meditate every single morning in bed, except on days when I don't. The big book says... No, and by the way, I am a charter member of no one of us. No one of us. you know who the no one of us is? No one of us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints, and we're not martyrs, unless we're stupid enough to be a martyr, but we're not saints. So I am recovering in spite of the fact that I am imperfect as as far as my practitioner, being a practitioner of the 12 steps. I do, I was gonna say I do my best, but I'm committed to rigorous honesty. So I don't do my best. I do what I do. Step four is making that inventory. And I made the inventory finally with my sponsor, God bless her. I had a sponsor who came up to me at the end of a meeting after I'd been in the program for, I don't know, five, 10 years. I always cry when I tell this story. And she said to me, and she was half my size and twice my age. Sandra Rothman was her name, she's dead. How dare she die and leave me without my sponsor? Anyway, she came up to me at, a, at, a meet, at the end of a meeting one day and she said, I don't care how obnoxious you are. I love you. I am your new sponsor. That's how I got to where I am, really. That's what she did for me. So we did the fourth step. We did the fifth step. And I'm going to give you a sample of step five. Step five seems to be, doesn't seem to be about the principle that's about in integrity, but it is. But more important, it's also about courage and a willingness to go to any length. So here's what some of my four step items were and one late, uh, one late entry. I was a bedwetter, which is not a moral principle, but I was a bedwetter until I was 11. Humiliating, right? Not anymore. I stole money from my mother, may she rest in peace. Lots of money. I took bribes and kickbacks from vendors with, for whom I worked. I, I cheated on my expense account. Um, I, I stole, oh, and the one that I didn't put in my four-step inventory that I will tell you now, I didn't get until 60 years in, no, 70 years into the program. And that was out at Sears Roebuck. This is in Los Angeles. Sears Roebuck on uh, Santa Monica Boulevard, just west of Western Avenue. I went to the. Ba- I was in the basement of it. My mother and sister, and I think my grandparents were upstairs. And I stole a baseball and I put it in my pocket. And I was almost immediately arrested by a policeman who took me into an office. And I thought my life was over. I thought. That's the end of any possibility of me being anything. And I didn't put it into my four-step inventory until just a few years ago. So, And I recovered from compulsive eating in the, in the meantime. So stuff keeps coming up. We don't make a perfect four-step inventory or any inventory for that matter. But that doesn't mean we don't we don't get to recover. So now you know if, and I didn't tell you about lust, and I'm not going to, because it's none of your business. So,
5: five minutes left.
4: Really? Okay. So step six, entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. I couldn't do it that way. I made a list of the flaws of my character, and I carried it around. I carry notebooks around forever. And I told one of my colleagues who's going to be speaking next that, you know, I have a lot of notes, but they're illegible. So I've taken my flaws of character one at a time, and I humbly ask God to remove them. And here's the thing about that. And here's the thing about every step, every step brings freedom, brings relief each and every step, and it moves me closer to the joy that I deserve and that you deserve. It is not, we need not crawl across glass. We need not suffer while practicing the 12 steps of this program, I say. That's just my opinion, but seems like a pretty good opinion, don't you think? So all these principles, they're really cool. And, oh, by the way, if, here's the secret to, 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 to happiness, if you will. You wanna know about happiness? You don't have to pursue it. Just do nice things. Do, good, do, do, do a good deed for someone you can't not be happy. I mean, especially if you want to. I mean, if you have to, that's a whole other matter. That's called work. And I don't work the program i practice it i'm a practitioner i've been practicing it long enough so that i know how practicing this way of life produces extraordinary results well beyond anything that i could have ever imagined we're even told to imagine some outcomes but even that never gets to the root of the to the end of the matter to the payoff, and the payoff is recovery from compulsive eating and a life of sane and happy usefulness so that being free of the compulsive eating looks like small potatoes, forgive the mention of potatoes, compared to the promises and more. The promises are a starting point. We are rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence, even when we don't know we're on a spaceship. I said that prior to our starting the meeting today. And here's something else I genuinely want you to know. My passion is authentic. I love you. I love this program. I love everything about it, except the stuff that I don't. And it has been a joy to have this conversation with you. And and thank you for such generous listening. Thanks.
0: Thanks so much, Charles. And now we have a little time for questions for Charles. Uh, he had focused on steps four, five, and six. So does anyone have a question? Oh, it looks like Sus- Suzanne has her hand up. Suzanne, I'm going to ask you to unmute.
6: There. I think I got it. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Oh, OK, great, great. There's a little sign up there that says the host is not allowing you to unmute, but you already did. And so you can hear me. That's good um thank you Charles so much you know the the my higher power the Lord God answers my prayers even my just my it might be a simple thought and he put me here exactly where I'm supposed to be at this time I've never been to this meeting before but um It's amazing. And I I really do believe I will be back. Uh, Meetings are a big part of my program. I go to maybe one a day and maybe more. And I have ever since last spring. So it's been a year and I need them so badly. But your message was like a breath of fresh air. And my question for you is, what are your thoughts about abstinence? And how did you how do you keep it? If you know, if how how do you do it, and um, and also relapse? What are your thoughts about that?
4: I'm not in favor of relapse at all. Uh, I am in favor of abstaining from compulsive eating. Compulsive eating, abstaining from compulsive eating shows up for me not in a food plan, but in the practice of the steps. It just does. Once we become used, and by the way, it is miraculous. The last flaw of my character that I humbly asked God to remove was gluttony. And that was so many years after I first practiced step six and seven. And once I finally humbly asked my higher power to to lift gluttony, it happened. And now I look at my plate and I see occasionally there is too much on it. I don't want too much food. I don't. And abstinence is a blessing that just shows up regarding relapse. If someone is relapsing, there's a couple of possibilities, a couple of things to do, I say. And by the way, I have great experience in relapse. One of which, for some folks, when they're down and they've relapsed, is to kick them. Why? Because when you kick them, they get up faster. That's one approach. Another approach is to let them know that it takes, that it is one day at a time. Period. One day, one meal, if necessary. And recovery does not, is not counting up one's chips, but rather noticing, I have not eaten compulsively today. What a blessing. I am so grateful. And also, surrender. I introduce myself all the time as powerless over food. Not a compulsive eater. I don't even know what a compulsive eater is. I don't even know what compulsion is necessarily, but I do know that I'm powerless over food. And that if I don't pay it good attention, and I don't, it's fine with me. That's just a fact. It's like saying, well, you got an extra leg, you better get another shoe. It is just what's so. So I, I'm, I'm not gonna go any deeper than that. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Suzanne, for the question and Charles for your response. Does anyone
1: else have a question? Janice has a question. Um, What do you do
5: when someone is hesitant to do their fourth step, um, how do you encourage them?
4: Well, I remind, I ask them. Actually, I don't tell people what to do for the most part. I do request it. Um, I say it's time to do the fourth step, and and one of the things I recommend is having a finish date, not a starting date, but a finish date. Please have this done by the end of. May, can I count on you for that? By the way, that's integrity. Can I count on you for that? Yes, no. If it's no, I mean, if it's yes, and then they, they do it, great. And if they don't do it, I kick them when they're down. I say things like, you made a promise, you idiot. Or I say, hey, let's get it done. What do you need? What do you need from me to get it done? And then I give it to them if I can. And if I and if they don't want it, oh well. Anybody not want to do their four step? I'll be glad to kick you.
0: Gosh, thanks, Charles.
1: Do we have any other questions for Charles? Mm. I have a question. Could you speak a little bit to the idea of
7: practicing practicing the program versus working the program? Like expand on your thoughts on that.
4: Okay, well, I realize, <clears throat> you know, Yo-Yo Ma does not work on his on his violin. He he practices because, because he has the, all he needs is for, you know, we sometimes take the tools and think that they're steps and they're not. The tools just help us, help us effectuate. They help us to create our program, our unique program. It's unique because it's unique to us personally Uh, and everyone does it differently. But I practice the steps now because I'm entitled after 46 years to practice. I want to practice. I love practicing the program. I do it every day, except of course on days when I don't. Uh, So, I hear work the program and I say, you go work the program. I'm gonna practice. I I, I don't know how, you know, there's no delineation. I just made that up out of whole cloth. Some others might say, you know, Charles, you really ought to work that program a little bit harder because it's, you you know, there's something missing but no one said that today.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Charles. And thank you for your question, Cassie. Celeste, I see that you have your hand up.
1: Hi, Um, I have a question, Um, I'm kind of new at this, but I know
2: you do a a deep inventory in step four, and then step
5: 10 is like our daily revision, right? I was curious, uh, do you ever go back and do a step four, and how do you know to do a step four again?
4: Uh, Actually, you will know, I don't. In other words, I've done it once, Lunch was enough. Come on. And step 10 is, is really does, for me, it handles it. I, I want to say a word about step 10. I love step 10. You know why? Because it says, when we were wrong, not if we were wrong, when we were wrong, we promptly admitted, oh, we're going to be wrong. It's good to know you're going to be wrong. And when I say you, I mean me. Thank you. So does, <laughs> I hope that makes sense that You will know if you need to make another, if stuff is piled up, when you look in your house, does it really need a full cleaning that's gonna take a week? Or can you just dust and and have a clean house? Pretty much the the way it works, I think.
5: So you're saying like, if we keep up with it, we won't have to do that deep cleaning then.
4: That's exactly right.
5: Oh, got it. Thanks, Charles.
4: Oh, I wanna say a word about sponsors if I may get one doing it on our own does pardon me doing it on my own does not work also so get a get a sponsor like Sandra said to me I don't care how obnoxious you are I am your new sponsor and if you if and and take a chance go up to someone and say I'd like I'd like an internship to be your sponsor I'd like to try you out as a sponsor for a week or two. See how you measure up. And I always think that being the sponsor is the junior partner in the relationship, which is not not typical in our fellowship, but it works for me. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Charles. Um, this is Trish, and Charles's comment just now, you know, have a sponsor. I'm just going to steal this for a second, Charles, and add in, use your sponsor. (laughs) Don't just get a sponsor and then never call. Use your sponsor and be honest with your sponsor. I've had sponsees who called me with their food every day, and then one time I looked across the room and saw her and realized that she had gained quite a lot of weight in the time that she had been calling her food into me, and I realized she had been lying to me about the food she was eating. And then I realized, oh yeah, you know, like two weeks ago, she said she bought a whole chicken and she ate a quarter of it for one meal. And I never heard about the other three quarters of the chicken. I thought, no, you gotta pay attention as the sponsor here, Trish. Just be honest with your sponsor. Thank God I was honest with my sponsor. At one point I added a food product into my plan Um, Because someone else in the room did it, not someone that I thought had great recovery, but they were in the rooms and they did it. So I thought I can add that in. Yay. It wasn't even a food I liked. Let's be honest. It was just a food and I wanted a food. (laughs) So so I added the food in and then mid afternoons for breakfast, mid afternoons, I'd get really hungry. I thank God told my sponsor what I was doing, even though it made her mad. And then when I called her and said, hey, sponsor, I'm going to add a starch in mid-afternoon because I'm really sagging, mid-afternoon. And she said, will you just take that thing out of breakfast? Oh, oh my gosh. It never dawned on me that those two might be related. By adding a food, I made myself more hungry because my blood sugar would go up in the morning and come down in the afternoon. It was pretty wicked. So, um, sorry, Charles, I stole the end of your <laughs> little time period. And now we're due for a five minute break. Um, so, if you need to use the restroom or something, please feel free to do that now. Uh, and, Audrey, I was wondering if we could kind of talk a little bit about how OA Rise functions and
7: uses the contributions that are made to it. Absolutely. Hi, everyone. My name is Audrey, I'm a food addict. Our meeting expenses are a Zoom account, subscription, and an OA Rise website, which includes the cost of extra storage so that we can upload the speaker recordings for you. We send all contributions in excess of our expenses directly to World Service Office to help carry the message to other compulsive overeaters. Um, a suggested donation is $3, and you can contribute that through the OA RISE website, and I will screen share with you, and I'm going to hope this works, because it would be nice if it did. <laughs> okay. So here's the whoops, here's the whoops, come on now. (laughs) Here's the OA website, OA Rise website. And, um, and you would just click this contribute button. And then you have your choices of what you want to donate. So it's just a matter of clicking what you want, and then donate with PayPal or donate on your credit card.
0: Audrey, if you go back to the main website, I saw a service button. Oh, yes. What's that service button do?
7: I don't know. (laughs) Meet our speakers. Meeting speakers and meeting helpers. And meeting helpers. We could definitely use help with meeting helpers. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's what I'm doing today. And that's what Trish does. That's what we all do. Um, Anyone that has co-hosts beside their names, with the exception of the speakers today, if they have co-hosts beside their names, um, we're all volunteers here and we could always use some extra hands and eyes and ears.
0: And we're even willing to train you on how to do it and we're fun to be around. Absolutely, thank you. Oh, it could be a small enough, I mean, it could be a small a commitment as participating one of these meetings in the background once a quarter or once every couple of months. It does not have to be a huge time commitment. Yeah,
1: and
0: it's fun. It is yes. fun. <laughs> awesome. And then I see Suzanne has a question, so I'm going to ask her to unmute. Okay, can you hear me? Yep.
6: Oh, good. Um, I want to know if there is a snail mail address for Seventh Tradition. There is, I'll put it in the chat. Thank you so much. I love this meeting. (laughs) Awesome, thank you. Thank you.
0: Audrey, I think you can pause the recording for a little while. for the oh, It's already 2.05. <laughs> Thank you. And our next speaker is Beverly. Beverly, are you ready to do that?
8: Myself. I am Beverly and I'm a compulsive reader. Grateful to be here and abstinent today. Um, I want to qualify just a little bit. I've been in away for I believe it's 30 years now. I just um, passed 12 years of abstinence, and I am maintaining about, I'd say, a 90 pound uh, weight loss somewhere in that neighborhood. And um, I am not the same person who walked in the doors of OA all those years ago, um, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And I am so. Very grateful for this program. Um, so, my task today is to talk about steps seven, eight, and nine, and the principles of those steps. And um, I have a little example of the first principle, step seven, is humility. And little Miss Perfectionist here was not able to print out the notes, the printer wouldn't let her. And so you know, letting that be um, is my task today and doing it how I don't really like it. You know, I've got the, the screen up over here, um, which might disappear on me any minute. Oh, well, I'm just going to talk. So um, this principle of humility, step seven, uh, step seven is my favorite step of all of the twelve. And yet, it's so interdependent on all of the others. And to me, I call this the self-esteem step um, because this is where um, I get to learn that I am just another human being. And so are you. And I read in the um, AA, I, I looked at the AA 12 and 12 and the OA 12 and 12 to decide what I wanted to say today. And the AA 12 and 12 talks a lot about character building in this step. And there's this little quote on page 72, it says, seldom did we look at character building as something desirable in itself, something we would like to strive for whether our instinctual needs were met or not, we never thought of making honesty, tolerance, and true love of man and God the daily basis of living. And I think that's beautiful. And we have all these principles to all the steps. And how I practice the principles is I do try and make them the daily basis of my life. Um, And, You know, that imagined ladder of worth that our 12 and 12, our OA 12 and 12 talks about, um, you know, I came here and I felt I was on the bottom of that ladder. And if you looked at a lot of my behaviors, which I got to do in this program, a lot of my behaviors were about trying to scramble up that ladder somehow, trying to be perfect, um, trying to hide my imperfections, God forbid you actually see me. Um, trying to, um, I, I did a lot of like gossiping because that's another way to climb the ladder is on someone else's back. Um, and in those rare instances where I felt like I was, um, Above somebody on the ladder of worth, um, that brought out behaviors too mm-hmm. that that really were not okay, and you know the overall thing is I didn't like myself very much, and I knew you didn't either, and I did a whole lot of unlikable things, um. And the big book talks about um, the bondage to self and all those hundred different kinds of bondage to self. And I came to discover in a way that low self-esteem is bondage to self. And in daily life, I wanna talk about what humility looks like in daily life. And it looks like acceptance of the possibility that, I may be wrong sometimes. I never used to have room for being wrong. Um, That meant something bad about me, right? Um, It also means I may be right. Sometimes I am. And there may be things about me which I might like to change. And there are also things about me that are absolutely wonderful. And I, a sponsor once said to me, um, every person deserves to be judged by their best moments. And I absolutely love that. Um, and that, that concept has been life-changing for me, because what that means is I can make a mistake, you can make a mistake, and we're both still acceptable human beings. Um, and step seven, our our ROA 12 and 12 talks a lot about persistence. Um, this is not, um, if I had a magic wand and could wave it for myself and suddenly, um, have no issues, have no faults, I sure would. Um, but instead I get to catch myself being a human being and having to, you know, clean up little messes. Thank goodness they're generally not like they used to be. Um, step seven also talks a lot about visualizing. So, you know, visualizing the people will be as we, the, the people we're becoming rather as we practice um, the, the 12 steps every day. And I love that. Um, I love the affirmation um, that I get to be a person becoming. And if I think of other people in that way also, um, my relationships are so much easier. Um, and I'll just say one more thing about the AA 12 and 12. Um, it talks about how incredible incredibly necessary humility is. It talks, it calls it the foundation of all the steps, the founding principle and the quote nourishing ingredient of serenity. And I totally get that because as long as I'm on the ladder trying to climb up frantically, um, I'm not going to have peace. So Step eight, um, the spiritual principle of that is self-discipline. And I can tell you that for a lot of years, I um, really didn't like this one. (laughs) Um, I understand, you know, making a a list of amends and all that. And, um, but I just really wish they designed a different, you know, principle label to this one, because I just shied away from this. And come to understand that this step and step nine are very much about coming into adulthood, acting like an adult. And there is a lot of language in in steps eight and nine that just really smacks of kind of what would a grown-up do here, a calm, reasonable ro- grown-up. Um, There's a quote at the bottom of 57 and 58 in our OA 12 and 12 that talks about, we had to learn other ways of dealing with people and different ways of looking at people, different ways of treating people um, and treating, treating ourselves, I believe, and other people as if we have value and as if we deserve to be treated well. Um, This step also talks a lot about forgiveness. And to me, that overlaps completely with compassion. Um, You know, I did a lot of blaming and I came into this program with a lot of anger and I did a lot of mind reading. You know, if you looked at me funny, it's because you didn't like me. Um, If you said something awkward, it's because you were trying to get the best of me, or you were trying to diss me, or, you know, whatever. And I just, you know, walked around incredibly defensive. And I remember a sponsor once I had a big argument with my husband. And I called her and I just went on a rant and told her all the things that he said. And did that were wrong and and she talked to me about defensiveness and how my defensiveness was getting in the way in that relationship and you know compassion for me the one way i look at it is um you know nobody gets up in the morning and says you know i think i'll be out to get beverly today um Nobody gets up in the morning and says, you know, I think I'm going to be a, a terrible, mean human being today. People make mistakes just like I do. And, you know, um, talking about relationships, um, in my marriage, I, I figured out at some point that I had some expectation that, you know, this person who was apparently there for me, 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 was going to line up just perfectly and be the person I needed um, so that things went just just right for me. And you know, I have compassion for the young woman who felt that way and compassion for the young man who um, had to live with those expectations. Um, but it's hard work, you know, putting self aside, it's hard work. And it takes what it takes. And um, in some ways, I think I've been a slow learner in program. It feels like just in the last few years, I've been become more aware of ways that my expectations of other people have been really hard on other people. Um, so this, this thing of self-discipline, making this list of people we've wronged, um, it is about doing a hard thing. And approaching it as an adult, and um, and also in one of these books, it says, you know, we are not to exaggerate other people's wrongs nor our own. And I needed help with this step because I think I put everybody on this list. My first amends list was horrifically long. Um, if I had ever thought anything less than wonderful about you, I'd put you on the list. And my sponsor really helped me, you know, pare that down. And the last one, I can't believe I left the least time for this one. Step nine, the principle is love. And there's so much in this step. You know, we're to make amends, but not if it's to hurt the other person or somebody else. In other words, we make amends with love in mind. We don't get to hurt people just to make ourselves feel better, right? And um, and that whole thing of a specific apology. I don't know if anybody besides me has been or ever been on the receiving end of the "I'm sorry if" type of apology, but it doesn't feel very good. It doesn't feel sincere. It doesn't feel like a true acknowledgement of wrong. It almost feels like, well, if you think I've done anything wrong, um, well, you might be crazy, but gosh, if you think I need to apologize, I will. And again, oh, sorry about my dog barking in the background. Um, hopefully, my granddaughter won't come charging in here. Um, on page 65 of our OA 12 and 12 is this awesome quote It's talking about making amends and it says we avoid excuses, dramatization or detailed rehashings. We do a simple a simple amends and again I look at that and I think oh be do it like a grown-up um, teeny boppers do, high drama, um, people who aren't really taking responsibility for their part make excuses. And I'm going to wrap up here in just a second. And also restitution. That's another thing adults do. We pay our bills. We, we take care of wrongs that we've done. And, um, and living amends, it talks about living amends. We work hard to do what's right and to make it right. And, you know, all of that, it's a tall order. I, I do think it's hard work. Um, and it's harder work. The closer a person is to me, the harder it is. Um, but the more it pays off. and um, And it's funny how it seems like you know, every other day at least has some little opportunity to to make at least some small amends. I did one yesterday with my husband. and you know, I'm sorry, I think I got us off on the wrong foot today, blah, blah, blah. And it opened the door to a beautiful rest of the day. So I think these things are life changing and relationship changing. And um, that's my share. Thanks for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Beverly. So Beverly covered steps seven, eight, and nine. Does anyone have any questions for Beverly? I see Celeste has her hand up. I'm asking you to unmute
9: Celeste. The Hi, it's actually Margie. Hi, Margie. Margie. Beverly, thank you so much for your share. I really appreciated it. I just wanted to know, do you think, does it get any easier? Like the first year is really hard making the amends. And then maybe the second time around, it's not as difficult. And then the third time around, it's even less difficult. Is, is that possible?
8: I yes, I absolutely think it gets easier, um, you know. And there have been some amends I've made that have been awkward and uncomfortable. And um, it, you know, I I think I need to give myself credit for you know what I showed up and I made the amends. I let the other person know. Um, what had happened and that I'd wronged them and I was sorry. And it still counts, even if it was hard, even if it was awkward and uncomfortable. Um, you know, the good news is um, the longer I've been in program, the, the less amends I've been generating. Um, but I will say The hardest ones for me were my children and I put those off for a lot of years. Um, And what a gift to have finally made those amends. I think I was 15 years more maybe into program before I made those direct amends. I was doing living amends because I didn't want to honestly you know, directly make amends. And um, it opens some doors in those relationships. And, you know, I I will say for the most part, people have been incredibly gracious and I've gotten to walk away from amends. Um, A thing that makes it easier is generally you get to walk away from amends and realize, oh, the sky didn't fall, I survived that. And that lends some strength for making the one after that and the one after that. And, um, you know, um, I think it's the big book that talks about, you know, we don't need to go into a men's groveling. We can go in with our head up and, um, you know, acknowledge our wrong. And I think something underneath that could, That helps make that easier is the knowledge that I'm doing the right thing here. I am, I'm doing the strong thing. I'm stepping up to the hard, you know, the hard thing. And I am, I am uh, doing what's right. So that, that can bolster me um, when I need to make amends. But yeah, hang in there. And um, I also will say that some people say, you know, you divide the amends into three lists, the ones that are easy and you know you can do them now, the ones you might do, and those ones that no way, not ever. And if you work them in that order, by the time you get to that no way, not ever list, um,
9: it's easier than you thought it would be. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Margie, for your question. Uh, Liz, you can unmute yourself.
2: Hi, Beverly. We talking a little bit about your process of taking the seventh step. I remember the first time I took a seventh step, I got down on my hands and knees because getting on my knees wasn't good enough. And I thought, okay, when I get up from here, all my, all my character defects will be gone. We talk a little bit about um, the process that you go through to make seventh step, not seven step amends, but ask God to take away defects of character. Thanks.
8: Yeah. Well, it's, It's very much tied to the sixth step. And I, you know, I have this form that I use that examines each defect and what's it doing for me? What's it doing to me? Do I want this still? And um, what's the cost? It's really important for me to know the cost. And then um, it's, I follow the directions that are specifically in the OA 12 and 12. You know, take the list in hand, name the one at one, one by one, Ask higher power to take these. And then it's practice. Um, You know, then it's, you know, trust um, and practice. And when I have raised these things in my consciousness, I am very likely to see them when they come up. And um, that's the pause that I think you talked about earlier and the um, redirection. You know, I have a history (laughs) of control issues and I have a history of, you know, I don't let go of any detail. And, and, uh, you know, perfectionism pays off um, often, but it's also hard on me and the people around me and so, um, I have a sponsee who talks about open hands, and um, you know, just opening hands and allowing that outcome to work itself out um, is a lot of it. Step seven specifically talks about visualizing, and I guess I do a lot of visualizing. What would it look like if I let go of this outcome? And you know, I always used to act like the sky will fall if I let go of this outcome. It never has. Um, and it's all been okay. And my relationships are better. I'm a little less stressed out than I used to be. And I kind of like that. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> Thank you for the question.
0: Thank you, Beverly. Thank you, Liz, for that question. Hey, Beverly, I have a question, or kind of a comment I'd like you to expand on, and that is, in my opinion, the ninth step is the step that most needs to be worked with another person, other than maybe the fifth, which requires another person, (laughs) Um, but just checking out our perspective with another person before making the ninth step or taking the ninth step. Um, Would you mind talking on that a little bit?
8: yeah, I, um, you know, that's part of the love of step 12 or of step nine. We don't want to hurt people and, you know, bouncing it off the sponsor, you know, I've had sponsors on various amends say, oh no, 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 no. (laughs) And, um, and, and that's been really helpful. In general, there's no rush. It's okay if I wait until tomorrow. I'm not talking about, you know, a million tomorrows, but in general, I don't need to make amends right this second. Now, I will say that there are times, you know, I didn't, I didn't need to call my sponsor yesterday to make that little amends to my husband. In fact, I knew I'd spoken out of turn and, and it's okay for me to, you know, make those small amends. But if I'm going to make an amends, one of the big ones, um, yeah, I need to run it by somebody. And part of it is, I don't want to hurt anybody. And another is, um, I come from a history of um, low self-esteem groveling which is not necessary, which not, I, I, um, I don't need to go into an amend saying, I am a horrible human being. Um, that's that's not okay for me. So um, I have really liked the perspective of a sponsor because, um, you know, I, um, I don't know. And there's been other ones where, you know, I've talked about an amends I wasn't willing to do. And I got just a couple of years ago, I finally was like, I reached the bottom with a particular amends and my sponsor had been suggesting the big book resentment prayer and what 28 years in program. I had never been willing to pray that prayer. And I got to one that she said, I'm, This, this would help. And I did it and um and the next time it was a family gathering um and i was able to make amends to that person and um clear the air does that answer your question
0: yes thanks beverly and um, I don't know if you've ever been on the receiving ends of a ninth step, but I just wanted to share an experience I had where I my first thought when it was over was, you should have run it past your sponsor before you did it. Because I was walking down yeah. the street and I ran into a tall st- step person who said, oh, I owe you an amends. And I said, oh, what's up? She said, I had a party and I didn't invite you because somebody else at the party has a problem with you. And I'm really sorry. I was like, okay. Well, there are very few people we know in common, so I know exactly who you're talking about. (laughs) And I didn't know until just now that she had a problem with me. (laughs) And so I was like, oh. And you know, then it was incumbent on me to kind of water off a duck. This is none of my business. I shouldn't know this. This. So it was, anyway, it was just one of those. Yeah, it would help to really work this through with another person before you did it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's
8: an example of, you know, one result of step nine is that we do feel better. It feels wonderful to have faced the things we need to face, but we don't get to do it at the expense of other people. There's another way,
0: there's another way. Perfect, Beverly, thank you. Um, And so it's uh, 2.34, does anybody else have a question for Beverly? All right, Audrey, go ahead and stop the recording for just a minute and then we can. Thank you, Audrey. You rock, by the way. (laughs) And now we are moving on to Alice, and Alice is going to cover steps 10, 11, and 12.
1: Alice, we can't hear you. I don't know why. No, nope. you have a mute on your little cord.
10: There we go. There we go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> and we're going to go back to gallery. View. All right. So my name is Alice. I'm a compulsive eater, anorexic, and bulimic. Hey, everybody. Uh, so 10, 11, and 12. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Uh, so the spiritual principle is perseverance. And I immediately say, no, it's not. <laughs> And what I, uh, so what I did was uh, I looked up the definition of perseverance, which is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Okay, that actually does sound like step 10. So, <laughs> But what I realized is that the anorexic part of my brain had twisted what perseverance means. And I, it had been like a key concept in my practicing of my disease was that I will overcome my need for food, right? I will persevere past the pain that's going on right now. So um, I used my disease to not feel. That's kind of how mine worked. Um, so I wanted to read the... So I also came into program before uh, there was any OA material, and so I was brought up with the big book. And after the, the promises of the ninth step, this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. So this is the sentence that got me that this is not a trick to pull my perfectionism into my recovery, that I continue to take personal inventory. I watch for being uh, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear when these crop up. We ask God at once to remove them. We discuss with someone immediately, right? So um, this is my opinion. This is how it worked for me. This idea that we do this inventory at night before we go to bed, to me, that's step 11. In the big book, that's step 11. That I don't wait till till my evening to then decide, oops, I owe someone amends. If I'm in a spiritual fit condition, I feel it in me, I feel it in my chest that that was not a kind thing to do. I owe an amends. I call my sponsor or someone in program. I say, this is what I did. I think I need to, you know, take care of it. You know, what do you think? Yes, you do. And then I make my amends, right? That we, when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So I promptly admit, God damn it, I did it again. Because for me, I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, my character defects fought tooth and nail to stay. And, and what I learned is that was my disease. As, I can, as the part of me that was in recovery grew and, and the part of, me, of my disease shrunk, that small part was just fighting to survive. And the way it survived was to remind me what a piece of shit I was because I can't get past my character defects. And so I would promptly admit it, ask God, help me um, figure out what my amends are, do my amends. And as was mentioned before, as I've got along a program, I know I don't need, okay, I don't need anyone to verify that I own immense because that was a very unkind thing to say. I need to go say I'm sorry if I make a mistake. I used to say I lied rather than admit I made a mistake. If I told you something and I was wrong, I, I would say I lied. This is really what happened. Instead of saying, oops, I was wrong. Like for that in my household, that was not acceptable. So that was a hard one for me to break, but I did admit I was wrong and it's amazing how you diffuse a situation when the first thing out of your mouth is I made a mistake it's all on me I had this I was coaching this uh soccer team that and we're supposed to it's indoor soccer so it's very fast you're supposed to switch the kids out really fast and I made a mistake with the clock and one team stayed in way longer and and this guy's son didn't get to play much and he came up to me after him and I'm like you're right Completely my fault. I misread the client. You know, it won't happen again. You can assure me it won't happen again, and just all of that anger released. Like he didn't need to, you know, defend his child. I I completely admitted my mistake, and um, and then it says to resolutely turn my thoughts to another person. This part has been key to me, because as I said, I had to work hard on my character defects. They kept trying to. they kept reappearing in my life. And, and then all of those thoughts about how you're never going to change, you're almost always right about you, you're never going to be anything, da, 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 all that, when I resolutely turn my thoughts to someone else, it shuts off that voice and turns me to what my higher power wants me to be, to be of service to hum- the humankind, right? So, so I think of anything. It can be, Wow this road is looking a little trashy i'm going to pick up some trash i'm going to serve i'm going to create some beauty in the world by picking up this trash or i noticed someone in a meeting this morning looked like they're having a rough day i'm going to go see how they're doing you know it doesn't have to be someone in in program that i can reach out to it can be whoever my higher power has put in my life at that moment that needs my help And that has really saved me over and over. Um, As I have gone on in program, I definitely learned the kindness to myself of not having to make amends in the first place. And so I very rarely have to make an amends. And a lot of times it's like the the thing with the soccer, where I just, I don't know what happened just completely missed that one and and I at one at one point I had advised my daughter to uh, she wanted a puppy <laughs> this is point. she wanted a puppy and I thought well you know sometimes when you if you write letters to people and ask them to help you get a puppy you might get one so she wrote a letter to all of my uh my husband's uh the aunts and uncle on my husband's side asking if they would send her money so she could buy a puppy <laughs> And boy, whoo, and, hmm, that's not exactly what I meant. Um, and so my sister-in-law brought it up to me and I said, yeah, I really blew that one. <laughs> like, I didn't even try to defend myself or anything. I Just like, you know, that was really, really bad advice. And and uh, I learned a lesson on that one. So, so they can be, uh, yeah, my mistakes can be very, very uh, creative. Let's put it that way. <laughs> So um, uh, let's move on to step 11. Saut through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So conscious contact. What I learned in program, oh, the spiritual principle is, make sure I got this, uh, spiritual awareness. And that was an interesting one to me, too. I hadn't quite put a spiritual principle on that, spiritual awareness. So to me, as I came into recovery, I became aware that I am a spiritual being that starved for connection, that my disease had completely cut me off, not only from my own body, but from any kind of real lasting connection from anyone else because I had been hurt so much in my life. I didn't trust anybody with anything. And. My, taking my step three was huge for me to put my will, my thoughts, care, well, my will in my life, my th- life, my actions over to the care of something other than myself. So trusting this higher power meant that I needed to turn to my higher power and build that connection. And as I started trusting that I was able to trust more and more people, people in program. And also, as was mentioned before, we're all in here trying to recover. And some of us are not so good at it yet. And so it's not necessarily a safe space for me all the time. And that's part. Okay. So um
0: sorry, Alice, I accidentally hit the
10: stop button. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um So uh, continuing to grow that trust. And as I said before, as I grew my trust in my higher power in the program, working the steps, my recovery part of me grew and the disease part of me continued to shrink. So I've been asked, how do you develop a relationship with your higher power? And for me, it started with putting food in its right place, right? That um, which is an interesting abstaining. <laughs> well, <it's laughs> that was a, minutes. yeah, five minutes.
5: Yeah. And then 10 minutes of Q and A, but if you go over, that's fine.
10: Okay. Um, oh, cause I even got to step 12 yet. Okay. Ah, all right. So, uh, for me, I had to, I had to con- uh, consider, uh, sober eating, not abstaining because abstaining was basically how I practiced my disease. So, Uh, Sober eating for me means uh, that food is fuel for my body. It's not entertainment for my mouth. It's not comfort from my sorrow. It's not relief from my anxiety. It's not to soothe me after a stressful day. And what I learned to do was instead of turning to food for all those things, I turned to my higher power for all those things. And that is how I started to develop a strong connection and relationship with my higher power, what would you have me be, right? This feeling is coming up for a reason. Guess what, I get to feel it. (laughs) And I get to listen for what is the next inspired action. What do I do with this feeling? And sometimes it's just let myself cry. Get to let myself cry today. I try not to make a fool of myself. I'm in the middle of a call and I just start crying. <laughs> you know, a lot of times to, my, uh, to the credit of my higher power, that tends to happen in, with people in program and not, in a, not people in, you know, outside of program. So that's good. <laughs> um, so I used to turn to my eating disorder for everything. And I started turning to my higher power for everything instead. And you can't help but build a connection and a strong relationship with your higher power when you're doing that. And we were talking like five minutes at a time when I first started trying to be abstinent, right? Just get me to the next moment. That anxiety and stress is released when I just turn to my higher power and say, I know you want what's best for me. What can I do now? Take care of myself to take care of others to not be stuck in this self-centered self-destruction which is what i had um so having had a spiritual awakening it has the result of these steps we carried we tried to carry the message to compulsive readers and practice these principles in all our affairs and the spiritual principle is service and just to relate what it means, what it meant to, as I said, it was brought up in the big book. Steps one through 11 are in one chapter. Step 12 is in its chapter by itself. That's how important it is, how important it is for someone to stay sober. They have to work. Nothing, nothing keeps us from, right here, practical experience shows that nothing will so much will so much ensure immunity from drinking has intensive work with other alcoholics. And that has been true for me. It, it helps me remember where I came from. It helps me, uh, what I find that um, I get more from the sponsor-sponsor relationship than my sponsee does. I just, if it, it fills me up. It reminds me where I came from. It reminds me how far I've come because in, there's nothing my disease likes more than to tell me I I've, have gotten absolutely nowhere that here I am back in this place again. But being back in whatever this place is, is just part of being human and part of life, that there's going to be hardship and sorrow and heartbreak. But what I know today is that I can feel those feelings and I can survive whatever that is. And, you know, and the sun is still going to shine. And if I just let the sunshine of the spirit into my life every day, there is, you know, there is joy to be found in every day. Every day may not feel joyful, but there are pieces of miracles every day, and we can find them if we look for them, right? So carry this message. Um, I just want to talk I'm running out of time. I just want to talk briefly about the whole different levels of service, right? So for some of us, when we first come in, the service we give is we show up. We show up for ourselves. I was told once we show up for the love, right? I showed up for the love when I wasn't able to let it in, but I showed up anyway. And just to sit in the chair and listen and give myself permission to recover. And then as I started working the steps, my service became opening my mouth, speaking my truth. Good day, bad day, struggles, triumphs, share my truth. Someone in that meeting needs to hear. Sometimes they need to hear that people struggle and they can get through it and that they don't have to turn to food or compulsive food behaviors to get on the other side. And then as I started stumbling over abstinence, Service became having the being the key person. You know, hopefully, we'll be back to having a key person very soon. But uh, you know, being the key person or uh, for larger meetings, setting up chairs, uh, bringing the literature, having a having a reason outside myself to be at that meeting. So, depending on where I was in program, my service has changed. And then I listen. Um, carefully to my higher power when service opportunities come up, because you know, I heard someone in a meeting once say, "If I can do anything, I can do it to excess." And service, constantly doing service, is not practicing my program. That is making service my higher power. And I need time to uh, to just be and know that I don't need to do one more thing to have a better recovery than I have today. Um, And then it was mentioned earlier, it says, practice these principles in all our affairs, that I practice to the best of my ability every day. And for me, I do the foot I, I do the footwork, and I leave the results up to my higher power. I'm not responsible for the outcome. When I first came into program, I was responsible for everybody's outcome. If anything went bad for you, I needed to go fix it. I needed to, you know, is, and, and still now I, I, I have to pause. Someone talk, talked about the pause before. I have to pause. OK, is this my side of the street? Is this something I need to fix, or am I going to let their higher power help them? Right? And I use this with my sponsees, when they can't figure out if it's their side of the street. Okay, I say, okay, here's my side of the street. Now there's a four-lane highway with cars rushing back and forth. And there's that person over there on the other side. Am I going to risk getting through that traffic to go fix their problem? Or is that really their problem over there? So to, to, to really be honest about, is this my responsibility or not? And I, it took a long time for me to let go of being responsible for the world. But step three was a big one for me, that I'm gonna trust God with my life, my choices. And part of that is believing that I can trust your higher power to take care of you. Uh, I think i all in there, thank you.
0: Thank you, Alice. I appreciate you going over t- steps 10, 11, and 12. Does anyone have questions for Alice? We've got about five minutes
1: for questions. So Alice, I know there are a lot of
0: different ways to do a 10th step. Can you make any suggestions about that?
10: Sorry, you wobbled there a little bit, What can I what?
0: (laughs) I know there are a lot of different ways to do a 10th step. Can you talk about your suggestions about how to do that? Oh.
10: Um, Well, I was actually thinking about this earlier that um, the way I work my 10th step now is not the way I worked it when I began, right? Because it says when we were um, continued to take personal inventory, when we were wrong, promptly admitted it, right? So uh, I didn't always have the ability to know that I had made an amends to be able to promptly admit it. So there's the the, um, reflecting of the day, right? Where you go over, look, continue to look for uh, resentment, fear, whatever the other two are (laughs) anger. Right. Um, And so for me, that. I guess I can't speak to other ways people do it. And I, I can share my own experience. And that is that um, I get that feeling in my chest when I have done something that shouldn't have been done. And if I can be honest immediately, I admit it, I make my amends. A lot of times people say, oh, don't be silly. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't make amends for other people. I make them for myself. That I don't, my disease will latch on to any kind of indiscretion and try to blow it up if I don't take care of it immediately. But I have to admit when I started, um I would check in with my sponsor and say, you know, this kind of thing happened. It's kind of rough. I'm not sure if I did the right thing and and to figure out if I owed an amends or not. Because it was, as it was shared earlier, there Everything was my fault and I had to be perfect. And if I wasn't perfect, of course I owed an amends. And and it's about uh, living amends to myself that, you know, I am. uh, no matter what I do, I'll never rise above being human. And the way we learn is making mistakes. And that's definitely how I learn. (laughs) Sometimes I have to make the same mistake over and over and over until I say, okay, this is my will running my life. If I listen to my heart power, I'm one and done, you know, okay. I did that. Oops. I learned help, help me, help me live a different way. So I hope that answered your question.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Alice. I appreciate it. Are there any
1: other questions for Alice?
10: Oh, I did have one thing to, to share when I was researching this, if we have time. Um, yes. I found, a, I found something I never heard before. It's called the principal's prayer. And um, it starts with I summon. And to me, that means I'm asking my higher power for. So I summon the honesty to find hope, that the hope will lead me to faith, that faith will build courage inside of me. That courage will grant me integrity. That integrity will fill me with willingness. That willingness will provide me with humility. That humility will create self-discipline. That self-discipline will allow me to love. That love will install perseverance. That perseverance will open a path to spiritual awareness. That spiritual, spiritual awareness will compel me towards service And that service will encourage me to thrive. I would never heard that before. And I thought that was amazing how that all of the principles are tied together that, and there's a reason that the steps are in the order they are because each one builds our recovery stronger and stronger until we're, uh, we're passing it on to the next person. And I guess the last thing I wanted to say about service is that uh, always saved my life. And I find i feel responsible um, to make sure that it's here for the next person that needs it, for those who haven't found us yet, that, that I give service to make sure that OA continues because I know if I hadn't found it, I wouldn't be here. I have no doubt about that. Awesome. Thanks, Alice. So we're going to take
0: just a tiny break. We um, don't need to stop recording, but I do want to take this opportunity to um, invite you again to participate in the seventh tradition for OARISE. Uh, you can do that either through your time by being a volunteer with OA Rise or by contributing funds. Um, we do ask for $3 per person per meeting if you're able to contribute financially. So. Uh, you can go to oarise.org website or send it through PayPal to info, that's I-N-F-O, at oarise.org. In Beverly, probably catching you a little bit flat-footed, I apologize. Um, We're moving into the next phase of the day and I am uh, looking to you because I'm not sure who's leading the recovery the record of recovery part you are okay so uh, are you ready to do that now oh you are muted
8: I'm mute I am ready can you hear me now
0: yes perfect okay. thank you I'm
8: Beverly compulsive overeater still so we have a little Um, writing exercise. It's a pretty easy one. Um, It's something we did at a workshop here in Portland um, some years back. And it is, um, the reason we do it is because it's important to notice how we are already living the principles in our lives and to celebrate that. And it shows us um, how far we've come. And so I'm going to screen share something and then just talk about it a little bit. I'll share screen and...
0: There so is. Beverly, this is yeah. Trish and I have placed in chat a link to what you're sharing. Okay, awesome. Okay,
8: so this is called the record, keeping a record of recovery. And it's to encourage us, like I said, and show us how far we've come. And here are, oh, let me go back up to that. Um, the part of the why is sometimes every one of us ends up discouraged. And we think, um, we think we're not doing very well. We think we're not doing very much. And um, this can really help with that. So here are the 12 principles associated with the 12 steps. And some of you know that we also have 12 principles associated with the traditions and the OA concepts. But today, we're just focusing on these. Um, And you heard the speakers talk about each of them today. And I'm just going to give you some examples of one member's record of recovery. So I have a history of advice giving, but when my son told me about his frustration with his girlfriend, I gave him my undivided attention and empathy. He didn't ask for advice, so I didn't give it. This is humility and love, and frankly, a miracle for me. Okay, here's another one. I really didn't feel like making the dinner I had planned tonight. I wanted to go out. However, I stuck to the plan which is better for my abstinence and my budget. This is self-discipline. I worked on my fourth step this afternoon. This is courage and willingness. I was impatient with my husband this afternoon. I stopped and sent up a quick prayer to God to change my thinking. Then I apologized for snapping and admitted that I was the one who had made us late. This is honesty, humility, love, and spiritual awareness all in one. And the last one, phone calls are hard for me, but today I called a newcomer. I answered her questions and shared some of my story and recovery with her. I shared hope and also demonstrated courage and service. So I don't know if this happened all in one day for this person, Um, but there are opportunities every day for practicing the principles. So here is our writing exercise. And I've got all of the people pictures are in front of it here. Okay, so the writing, we're gonna take about five minutes and um, it's to start your own record of recovery. So list an example for yourself. List a principle which might apply to a new behavior or attitude you've noticed in yourself. And if you're sitting here with a paper and pen looking for an example of your recovery, having listened to a, a workshop today, that's already a demonstration of wellness. So that's a freebie there. So I'm gonna set the timer for five minutes and leave this question up on the screen I was going to try and make it a little larger, but that's not
0: working. Hopefully people can read it. And they can also download their own copy by following the link in chat. Ah, Thank you for that. Okay, so here goes.
8: Does anybody have any questions before I start the timer? We good? Okay. And go for it. stop sharing the let's see how do i stop sharing oh the little red stop share button okay so now i'm going to um i'll just say one more thing and then i'll open it up for sharing is that you know these things these 12 principles these words um can look like other things sometimes they can look like acceptance It can look like kindness, um, tolerance, um, compassion, that kind of thing. And it may be that that's more your language, and that's perfectly okay. So at this point, I would just like to open it up and um, for some short shares um, about what you might have come up with in your writing. Thanks. And I think you need to raise your hand and then somebody needs to unmute
0: you, right? Yes, and I have just asked Jan to unmute. Awesome.
2: am Jan Compulsive Eater. I wrote down, I stayed home and made my own lunch for two reasons. I wanted to be on time for the meeting and to avoid a my favorite dessert that was being served for lunch. I put principles, honesty, perseverance, love, service, and self-discipline. Thank you.
8: Beautiful. Thank you, Jan. Who else would like to share?
0: Remember, if you'd like to, you can send it in a chat to one of the co-hosts and we will uh, speak it for you. Uh, And again, if you want us to use a, a name other than your own name, please include that in your chat as well. Liz, you're up next.
2: Thank you. I told my sponsor about a change in my food plan before I ate the food. This is honesty and self-discipline. I shared examples of how I set out to be building a relationship with my higher power with my one of my sponsees this morning, That's service. Oh, and I spoke at a workshop, <laughs> that's service too. Um, and I was gentle with myself. I, I gave my little share, and then I was gentle with myself instead of saying, Oh, you should have done. Da, 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 da. I um, treated myself with to positive self-talk, and um, and I think that was love and willingness, and that's uh, that's what I got. Thank you.
8: Awesome, thank
0: you, Liz. It's either Margie or Celeste, but I'm gonna ask you to unmute, and you'll have to let us know which one of you is talking.
1: It's Margie. Can you guys hear me
9: now? I'm Margie, yeah, we can hear you. Hi, Beverly, thank you for your share. Um, I just made a list of how I'm keeping my, the record of my recovery. Um, I didn't really say the principles, but I just said what I'm doing for my recovery today. Um, I'm reading my fourth step to my sponsor. It's very scary, but I'm doing a good job. Uh, I'm attending meetings with Celeste, another fellow. I'm working with a sponsee, hoping that I can help in his recovery. I'm working with my sponsor to stay within my calorie count. I'm keeping my abstinence. I'm attending meetings. I need to make outreach calls and I'm attending OA workshops. Wonderful. Thank you for letting me share.
8: Thank you for sharing. Lots of principles in
0: there. Is there anyone else who has anything to contribute or ask a question for Beverly? Mary Kay, I'll ask you to unmute. Um,
7: I was in a very negative situation with someone, and I did the ninth, that the half step just praying for them for two weeks, and it worked itself out. Uh, but I decided, and I had talked to this person. Um, but I've decided that it's just too hard to have a relationship with her and it's too damaging. So for self-care, I am going to disconnect.
8: Thanks, Mary Kay.
0: Would anyone else? Oh, Janice.
5: Hi, I'm Janice, a compulsive eater. Um, And this is similar to what uh, Beverly has suggested. I was at a retreat Um, and the retreat leader suggested, because sometimes change is so incremental that you don't always see it, but he said, look back to what you were like a year ago or what your life was like a year ago and compare it today to, and, you know, it will help you see what your higher power has done for you during that time. So that's another way of kind of seeing how you've changed. Just saying.
8: Awesome. Thank you, Janice.
1: And I think if, if
8: this is okay, we could just open it up for open sharing on the principles. If anybody wants to share about any of this today or. Any OA thing, I'm good with that.
0: That sounds great to me. Um, I'm going to go ahead and make it possible for people to unmute themselves. Um, So you may now unmute yourself if you would like to share.
2: Hi, I'm Liz, I'm a Recovering Compulsive Eater and I can't quit talking apparently. I wanted to hear, I wanted to share something that I learned this last week about meditation. And that was when the big book was written in 1930 something or other. Meditation had a different meaning than it has now today. And I happened to have a hundred year old dictionary from my grandfather. I looked up meditation and it means to think deeply and and really focus on something, Um, but to think about something completely and totally. And that in the sixties and seventies, somebody, a lot of people came over with, asian and other kinds of definitions of meditating and changed to meditating so i was so relieved and so happy because i find it in i find it very easy to think about something very intently but i have a hard time clearing my mind and saying mantras i just thought i would share that with you thank you
5: Howdy, thank you. I'm
3: um, you know I am, <laughs> Celeste, down hand down. Okay. And um see, this is what my brain really enjoys. It's like this is, I went to an um uh, uh another workshop yesterday and then today, but what I really get out of today more than I did yesterday was that there's another way of looking at things you know, these steps and everything. I am just so grateful because um, I get into a slump, you know, real easy. And it's kind of like a little refresher course when I can have these 12 steps. I mean, they're not new to me, you know, and just let's put in this context, let's view this way. What for me, the big shiny word, And then many others to follow was practice, because W-O-R-K is a four-letter word. And so are some other things that, yes, I understand the concept, but honestly, um, where I'm at in my life right now, um, I'm dealing with physical challenges. And so one more thing of work is like, this is a little too much for me to handle, besides what I'm trying to address on a daily basis. But practice was like, okay, even sounds nicer. And I need to hear that because work, it's like, oh, you know, there's this postcard that says either, you know, I'll stay in bed and be a wonderful world or else I get up and I do bad things, you know, and I need God, you know, and I just, but if I have practice that I can do, is just like the word willingness, willingness, willingness. It's like, I made it in bed. Just the other day, I said, God, I am not willing to be reasonable to my life over to you, put you first, yada, yada, yada. I am just not willing, but I am willing to be willing to be willing. And I only could say that because I heard it said by you all other times, other places. And that kind of gave me permission because there's times, I don't know, I'm a recovering Roman Catholic too. I'm sorry, gang and other things. And it's like, I need to have permission, you know, sometimes to evolve still And I just appreciate it. Thank you so very, very much. What a great way to end the weekend. I hope you all have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you.
4: I'm Charles, I'm still powerless over food. I'd like to share a story about step three when I was 12 years old. Did I do that already? I have a short memory. Oh, apparently I didn't, okay um i actually took the third step when i was about 12 years old 11 or 12 in los angeles um at the sears and roebuck on uh, santa monica boulevard just west of western avenue i was with my mother and my sister and i think my grandparents they were upstairs looking for clothes whatever i was in I was on the in the basement where they had sporting goods and, um, oh, this was about, yeah, this was about actually the fifth step. <laughs> and uh, not the fourth, the third. Uh, and, I, and I stole a, a baseball or I tried to steal a baseball and I was caught. And um, I thought my life was over. I thought I will never get into a good school. Uh, I may go to jail if I, if I cross anybody else. They'll tell my mother and I will be humiliated. None of that happened, but I carried it around for over 60 years, uh, over 70 years, pardon me, until I finally put it in my fourth step inventory. So we, we can correct off whatever needs to be corrected. Now I'm going to tell you a brief story about the third step. When I was about eleven, I went. To, I I couldn't. I didn't know how to swim. I'd swim in the Pacific, and I'd almost drown every time. Uh, you know how the Pacific is. And then my mother sent me to camp, and at camp there was a we, the the boy. It was a boys' camp, and the boys who didn't know how to swim were going to learn how to swim. And I knew it wasn't going to work because I had, every time I'd gone down to the bottom. The water safety instructor said, all right, boy, boys, um, raise your hands over your head. I raised my hands over my head. He said, you'll take a deep breath and then you'll lay down in the water. And I am thinking, I'm going to go to the bottom of the pool because this is, you know, I, I just can't imagine it working. Um, but I really wanted to know how to swim. And this was the instructions that I was getting. And I had faith that something would happen. I knew I wasn't gonna drown really because the water was relatively shallow up to my chest. So I I raised my hands over my head. I took a deep breath Um, and with all the rest of the boys, I lay down in the water and a miracle happened. I was buoyant. I floated. I could not believe it. It was the first time I had that experience. It was a breakthrough. It was a huge breakthrough. Uh, And I knew as soon as I was floating that now I would be able to learn to swim, just add my kicking and so forth and so on. Now that was looking backwards from step three. Obviously I didn't think I was working step three at that time, but that's the effect of the third step for me. When I finally take the third step and I take it, as I told you, Every single day, except on days when I don't, and every single day, I turn my life and my will over to the care of that about which I do not know, my higher power, and I follow the path. I am freed of the bondage of self. took me years to understand that line. And when I do it, I am supercharged as far as my recovery is concerned for, well, at least for half the day. I may fade later, but that step cannot not work. I did tell you that that's the step that says, if we sincerely take this step, we cannot fail to recover. And I wanted to say that one more time. I also want to say one more time, keep coming back no matter what. Keep coming back no matter what. Even if your ass falls off, put it in a bag, bring it to the meeting, but keep coming back. We can't do it on our, pardon me. I can't do it on my own. I don't know about you, but if I don't see you and I will be concerned that you have fallen in the ways that I have in the past. I have drifted away. I don't wanna drift away anymore, ever. Uh, Interestingly, I was in the army, I was also a water safety instructor and I taught some people how to swim, which is an outcome of that story. But transformations occur all the time. One more. I humbly asked God to remove the defect of sloth, laziness. And I thought, I am now in for it. Oh, man, am I going to have to do stuff? And the next morning, I found myself cleaning the copper pot in our kitchen and cleaning the copper pot in my kitchen is a spiritual incantation of reflection and meditation and it gets clean and I get clean as well. And I'm happy to do it. It's still work, but today I am anxious to do it. That's another transformation that shows up as a, for me It's a product of step number, well, seven, six and seven. So, and the outcomes are never known to me, never. So thank you for enduring me. Thank you. Thanks Charles.
0: Um, And I just want to restate what Charles just said. It's so exciting to me. Keep coming back no matter what, no matter what, keep coming back abstain from leaving OA, even if you are unable to abstain from anything else. So Beverly, I think you have a couple uh, words to wrap us up and then we'll close with the serenity prayer. Okay, thank you, Trish.
8: So I just wanna um, list of principles again. Honesty, hope, faith, courage, integrity, willingness, humility, self-discipline, love, perseverance, spiritual awareness, and service. Sounds like a tall order and some days it will be. And I very much believe in breaking things down to and meeting myself where I'm at with whatever it is. So just taking honesty, if I'm not willing, in a day or a situation to be completely 100% bear it all honest? Would I be willing to be start with honesty? Would I be willing to write it down so that I can see it on a piece of paper? And um, maybe I burn it afterwards, but maybe my start is I just look at it. If I'm not Uh, if I don't have the courage to do that fourth step would I be willing to write one page I know when I first my first fourth step I had to call my sponsor and say I will never start this because I will never write this thing down so I just need to tell you over the phone what it is but I'm never writing it down and it got me over the hump um if I have no idea If spiritual awareness is totally overwhelming to me, um, could I try something for one minute that might be um, spiritual awareness? Um, And the last thing I wanna say is OA has this thing called 12 Stepping a Problem, um, which is really wonderful. It's a PDF on the OA website. And there's another way to do 12 Stepping a Problem. And that is to take any problem that might be happening in life, and this list of 12 principles, and say, what would honesty look like in this situation? What would hope look like? What would faith look like? And so on. And um, thank you for attending the workshop today, and thanks for everybody sharing.
0: Thank you, Beverly. And just by way of a quick reminder before we say our closing prayer, Uh, In two weeks, we will not have the usual OA RISE meeting. That's the third Sunday of the month. So we would normally have a meeting, but we will not have one in two weeks. That's uh, April 17th, Easter Sunday. We encourage you to consider joining the virtual region. Uh, They have a marathon on holidays. That's all day, meeting after meeting, after meeting, after meeting. Uh, And you can find more information about that on the oavirtualregion.org website, go to uh, events and there's marathons uh, 2022. So you can find a meeting there. And there will be a link on the OA Rise website. Actually, there already is for that uh, event. So let's close with the serenity prayer. Beverly, would you like to start us? God. God,
8: grant me the serenity, serenity. To, accept to accept
0: the things I things cannot, cannot change, courage to change the things change. As we can,
2: and,
8: and, wisdom, and the wisdom to know the goodness.
2: difference. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, all. Thank you, Liz. Oh. Thank you.